0: The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Jesus said that if you want to save your life, lose it. Right? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, he's saying, give up on this this pursuit of of self-satisfying religion, this do-it-yourself kind of life, and instead, by faith, respond to the love that I've shown you. Find grace. Find relationship in Jesus Christ. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? That's it. This is God's will. Ephesians 5, 1-2 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In Galatians 4, verse 19, Paul says it this way in thinking about this church in Galatia. He says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is the deepest desire of my heart. This is the deepest desire of of the Apostle Paul here in this letter to this church. It's that Christ would be formed in us, that Christ would be formed in you, that you would grow to reflect your Savior more and more. This is God's will for your life. Maybe that's not why you're here. Maybe you saw this series title, The Will of God, and, and you've heard that we're talking about knowing and doing the will of God, and you thought to yourself, finally, this is my chance. I'm going to figure out through this series how I'm going to pick my future spouse or I'm going to learn uh, where I should work or whether I should buy that house or not or where I should go to college or why am I suffering? Why am I going through what I'm going through right now? I make no mistake, those are extremely important questions, but what we've begun to see is that the will of God for our lives has far more to do with relationship with him today than it does to do with our plans for him tomorrow. A few years ago, I was in a, a group here at the church. We have this summer internship program that we've done for for a long time at the church where interns who are college students or young adults will come together over the summer to be involved in different aspects of the church's ministry. So maybe they'll serve in King's Kids or they'll serve with our youth group or our, our young adults are in the worship team. But with that internship, concurrently with what they're doing in their service and leadership within the church, they're also given an opportunity to, to study God's word and to go through some devotional material together. And then weekly, we'd get together for a class and we'd get together for a, a, a class that often I would teach. And we'd try to teach them some, some tools and some helpful things that beyond just their time here in this internship, whether they're called to the marketplace or to missions, which, by the way, the marketplace is our primary mission field here as a church, whether the call to one or the other that they'll be equipped. They'll be equipped in God's word, and they'll be equipped with practical tools for how to live out a life of meaning and purpose. And so uh, we're gathered together one um, Wednesday afternoon for this intern class, and I'm leading it. And we're also going through the study, experiencing God with the interns at the time. So we're doing both things. That's their daily devotional. And then we're coming together for this class. And in that class on that particular day, I'm ready to go because I am going to teach these young minds the power of Planning. And I'm going to tell them what it takes to, to plan your life. You, you begin with the end in mind, whether running an organization or, or in your family, you begin with the end in mind. What do we hope and aspire to, for this to look like down the road? And then you work your way back from there, right? You, you get your strategies in place, how you're going to accomplish that. And then you go back beyond that. What are the daily behaviors, the tactics, the things that I can do today? in order to affect that future. And as I'm telling them this, I mean, I'm killing it. Like, I'm doing this wonderful presentation. They're all nodding their heads in agreement, taking notes. They're like, yes, this is is gold. And they're writing these things down, and I can see the wheels turning, and they're thinking about their lives and where they want to be in a few years and what are the things that we can do today to affect that future. They're all nodding along in agreement except for one individual who we'll rename nameless. We'll just call him Riley, okay? And... (laughs) And there's Riley, everyone's with me, but Riley's just, he's aghast. He's shaking his head, his eyes are bugging out. He's like looking at everyone and, and he's wondering what in the world is going on here? And I don't really know why. I'm like, what's, what's up Riley, what's the problem here? And so, so I kind of paused the class and I turned to Riley and, I, and I'm like, Riley, what's, uh, what's going on here? You seem like you're kind of upset, what's going on? And he says, did any of you even read Experiencing God this week? I think he was getting ahead of us in the class. I don't think we were all behind, but here's what it says is, as he opened up his book. He says, planning is a good thing if it is inspired and guided by God. Just because we accomplished our plans does not mean we are pleasing to God. God calls us to follow him daily, not just follow a plan. It isn't wrong to plan. Just be careful not to plan more than God intends for you to do. Let him interrupt or redirect your plans any time he wants. Remain in close relationship with him so you can hear his voice when he seeks to adjust your plans. You know, that's actually what, what scripture says, Proverbs nineteen twenty one. it says this, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And so whether we were behind or Riley was ahead in the study, I don't know. That's not the point. It, Riley was Right? But I think this is so often what our, our relationship, our walk with the Lord looks like. We get ahead of ourselves in goals and dreams and vision and plans and aspirations, and yet what's revealed in Scripture is is that this Christian life has nothing to do with getting God's blessing for our plans. Nothing. No, rather we lose our life in Him. We determine to follow Him, no matter the adjustments that are required. That's not to say there isn't a place for, for looking ahead. Jesus says to count the cost. When talking about following him, being his disciple, count the cost. Make sure you're on board with this. Make sure you, you actually are, want to do this, that you want to commit to this cause because it costs us everything. And yet it is worth more than anything. There is a place for counting the cost. There is a place for laying our future plans and hopes and dreams before the Lord and trusting him with them as he gives us vision for the future. That is something that, that it happens in scripture. People write down the vision and make it plain for the people of God to move toward. But what we see in the gospels is our example, Jesus encouraging his disciples in this radically, eternally minded and presently minded faith. God desires that you draw near to him when? Today. Today. And as we depend on him for daily bread, he will give us what we need. He instructs us to not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Jesus says this. He says simply, in in kind of summing up the Sermon on the Mount here, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these other things that we're worried about or, or interested in, all these things will be added to you. He's saying, focus on my kingdom and I'll take care of you. I will meet your needs as you do. God is at work all around us. He is presently at work. And as we grow in this love relationship with him, which is what we're encouraging week after week, receiving his love and responding to to the love that we've been freely given, something amazing happens. We realize that he, in love toward us, invites us into the work that he is doing. He invites us to set aside our lesser plans and to give ourselves to the pursuit of what God is doing, to join him in his work. How humbling is that? when you step back and consider that God wants you involved in his work, he wants to involve you in the work that only he can do. He works through us. How many of you feel like you're a little bit inadequate, maybe in some areas? Anyone? And yet God chooses, he knows that way better than we do, he chooses to work through us. That's a gift. He loves us. And he involves us in what he's doing. And so last week, we left off with this idea. We began talking about how do we know, though? How do we know what are God's plans or his ideas? How do we know what are his priorities for today? How do we know what work or tasks or assignments are from God? Because Proverbs says he'll direct our paths, but, but how does he do that? Well, what scripture reveals from cover to cover is that God speaks. speaks. And we're going to continue to talk about how God speaks to us as believers today. We began last week, and I gave you a lot of scriptures. Last week was probably more scripture-heavy than this week will be, and I'd encourage you to go back to that message, but we're going to revisit some of the things we talked about last week and add to them a bit, and then we'll go from there. But what the entire Bible, all the New Testament, as you read through this, what it is is cover for, to cover a written revelation of the words of God, the words of God to us. God speaks. And God continues to speak. What the New Testament makes clear is that he continues to speak by his Holy Spirit today, especially to believers. You believer, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He has taken up his habitation within you. He speaks to you directly. And that's what we began to see uh, last week. In John 16, 13 to 14, Jesus is looking ahead, telling them that after his death and resurrection and ascension, the Spirit is going to come to them. And he says, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So last week, we began to ask and answer this question. How do we recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The first way that God speaks is through what? His word. God speaks by his spirit through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. That means it's good for us for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. So again, the primary way in which God speaks to the believer is through the written revelation, through the holy scriptures, through his word. And this is our life. This informs all aspects of our faith and our practice. Do you know the word of God? And as we read the word of God, it reads us back and it provides encouragement and rebuke and admonishment and conviction and grace and an encounter with the the love of God. It leaps off of the page to us and it gives us direction for our day, for our lives. God speaks by his spirit through his word. And when I say God speaks by his word, I I should be clear. I, I meant to talk about this a little bit last week. I'm not advocating for the old pray and point technique. Do you all know that one? You're like, God, should I marry that girl? Nebuchadnezzar, you know, that whole whole technique where we're like, God, I don't know what to do. And we open the scriptures and we pray and we point to sell everything, give all your possessions away. No, no, not that one. That's not it. (laughs) We need to be careful about this. And, and so what I'm encouraging, does God sometimes speak that way? Has, has he ever provided a specific word from a specific passage for that specific moment for you? Maybe he has. And I know people who will tell stories of God giving them exactly the right word at the right time. But can I tell you, almost every time I've heard people talk about that, it's because they're the kind of people who are spending daily time in God's word. And as they're praying to him and seeking him in his word, he reveals things to them at just the right time. We need to understand contextually what's going on in the scriptures though before we apply them to our lives. I'll give you an example of this. I often hear preachers actually pull these verses of of wisdom and instruction out of places like the middle of Job, only to to realize, or maybe they should realize, that that Job's friends are the ones giving that advice and it's not actually good advice that God is pleased with. So we need to understand What we're reading and what's going on there, that's not to say, though, God can't speak through a specific word at the right time. This is, though, what informs our faith and practice. When we read scriptures, God's word, we believe, is infallible. It is inerrant. It is from him. It is authoritative, and it's authoritative in all. It affirms or prohibits. And though God can certainly speak to us by bringing that right verse at the right time, we cannot bypass the intentional regular time in his word to grow to know his voice as revealed in the scriptures, regular time in the word of God. What I mean by that is more importantly, we cannot bypass the relationship. When it comes to hearing the voice of God and knowing and doing the will of God, it is all about relationship with him, drawing close to a person who is revealed through his words. So for me, what does time in the word look like? It it certainly looks like time in preparation and study for preaching, that is part of it. But I also spend time intentionally reading devotionally, spending time in just a chapter or a few chapters a day, most days, to grow in my understanding of my Savior, to know his voice. By, by reading his word. And what I found is that God often speaks to me and, and leads me by bringing to mind the right scriptures at the right times. And can I tell you, though, his Holy Spirit has never brought to mind scriptures that were not there in the first place. What I mean by that is, is it, the scriptures that the Spirit brings to mind in our day-to-day life need to be there from our time reading the word, hearing the word as it's preached, internalizing the word of God. I'll give you an example of this just the other day. I, I was at the playground in, in my neighborhood, and I'm there with a neighbor of mine who is a, uh, a refugee from a Muslim country, and he's speaking to me about his life, and he's being very open with me about his life, and we're talking about a lot of things, and, and uh, one thing that he needs is he needs healing in some areas of his life. And so we're talking, and I say to my friend, I say, you, you know what, I, I, um, I will pray for you and I ask him, I say, I believe the Holy Spirit brought this kind of conversation to mind and to fruition. I ask him, I say, do you know in the Muslim scriptures, do you know the prophet Isa? And he says, yes. And he says, you call him Jesus, right? I say, yes. That is who I pray to. That's who I pray to for you because scripture says he's a healer and he is, he is my God and savior. And, and he says, you believe he's, he's the son of God. You know, this conversation is, I'm shortening it for you. He says, you all believe that he's the son of God. I don't believe that. And he's kind of seems to be open to at least me talking about why I believe he's the son of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, brings to mind two scriptures, too during that conversation. The first is this. It's when Jesus is in his trial before the Sanhedrin. They ask him very directly. They say, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And, and what does he say in response to that? He says, I I am. I am. And then he goes on and says, and you will see the son of man coming on the clouds. And he goes into this big speech, but he says, I am. The second passage of scripture that God brought to my mind. So I say that, I say, he says, I am. I say, do you know what that phrase I am, where that comes from in the scriptures? Have you ever read the passage of Moses at the burning bush? Where God declares, I am that I am. He gives this name for himself, I am. That is what Jesus is echoing there and declaring his divinity. So, he, so I say, have you ever read that? scripture before. This, this is where it gets interesting. He, um, his language is Dari Persian. He's never even been able to read the Quran in his own language because it's in Arabic. And, um, and so he says to me though, he says, yes, I have read that story. And he begins to tell me that, that he traveled to India years earlier to go to a medical clinic. And there in India, they had the holy scriptures, the word of God, the Bible in Dari Persian on the shelf. And so he grabs this Bible, he opens it up and he begins to read the story of Moses at the burning bush. And he's so blown away by this, this, this Bible in his language that he begins, there's, he says there's about 30 Bibles on the shelf. He begins handing out Bibles throughout the clinic to anyone that will turn and open and read what he's just read. Now, first of all, it is incredible that, that there in India, a Muslim man, is distributing bibles right pretty cool but what blew me away and and this is what what i'm telling you is that the holy spirit brings to mind these passages at the right time as we internalize the word of god what blew me away is that the one passage that he had ever read in his own language was moses at the burning bush and that's what god brought to mind to talk to him about on that evening i mean that's incredible right Now, that story's not over. He's he's going to hopefully be in the kingdom very, very soon. But please continue to pray and to seek the Lord and be open as the Spirit of God brings scriptures to mind to bring the word of God. God will lead you, and he will lead you in agreement with his word. He will speak to you by his word. And as we recognize the God of the word, we'll have confidence to recognize the word of God. Words of God as he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. Secondly, we looked at this last week as well. God speaks by his Spirit as we pray. Certainly, prayer is an opportunity to present our requests to God. That's what Scripture says. But for the believer, it's also a primary means of relationship with God. So I want to ask you this. Do you ever stop as you pray to listen? To be silent before the Lord and to wait for him to speak? I think if we struggle to hear the voice of God, could it be that we simply need to take the time to listen? One of the ways in which I I, I seek to prepare myself to listen is I pray that my heart will be aligned with God's. I, I pray and ask him, Lord, lead me to what is on your heart. Lead me to your desires, your purposes for my day. Lead me to the people that you want me to minister to or reach out to today. And I pray against distraction and deception and temptation and the enemy. And I ask for him to speak. And then I pay attention. Pay attention to what he brings to mind. Pay attention to how he is revealed in the circumstances of your day. Because thirdly, we see that God speaks by his Holy Spirit through our circumstances. What are circumstances? They're just uh, events in our life through which God chooses to speak. And these might be the hardest to define, but even this week, I I heard some incredible stories from you within the church of God moving in your circumstances in very specific ways that revealed where he was at work. So this could be the hardships that you're walking through. God, what are you doing in my circumstances? What are you trying to tell me? What are you revealing about yourself, your purposes, your ways? It might be those things that you call coincidence, but then you begin to connect the the spiritual dots and see that it's the same things that God is revealing through his word, and it's the same things that he's speaking to your heart as you pray and listen to him. You know, often you'll hear believers talk about their circumstances and knowing the, the will of God by what are the open doors and the closed doors in your life, right? You ever heard that? Like, I didn't know which way to go, so I asked God to open the doors, close the doors. That, that, that's a, that's a, a fine way to pray, but it, when we, we think about doors opening and closing, we're thinking about our circumstances, and what we can't do is just depend on that alone. We need to depend on, on the word of God as he has revealed it through his written word and, and as he leads us by his Holy Spirit in prayer, and another way is, is through the wise counsel of others, because what we need to do in, in our circumstances is to seek God's perspective on our situation, to seek his perspective on our situation. God, what are you doing here? How are you at work? What do you want me to learn? How do you want me to respond to this? And and then the other thing we can do is not just seek his perspective on our situation, because we need that. Often we're in confusing circumstances. They don't make sense, especially hardship and trial. God, I don't get this. But we can pray and ask him to reveal it, to speak to us. We see that in, in the book of Job. He goes through the greatest of hardships and he doesn't understand. And from his perspective, there's not a good reason for it. But God speaks to him and reveals it to him. And it humbles Job. And he realizes the love and sovereignty of God. The other thing we can do is consider other ways that God is speaking to your situation. To not just force our way through because the circumstances align in a way that's favorable to us. No, no, we can also seek him in his word in prayer and also in the wise counsel of others, And some of you are here right now because of some wild things that God has done in your life to bring you here to this day. You know that he's been at work in your circumstances. You know he's been leading you, even though you don't have all the answers why or what's going to happen next. Maybe you've been frustrated by the plan and the path that you've been on, but you need to know that he, by his Holy Spirit, will lead you. Fourthly, God speaks by his Spirit through the church through the church. That is other believers. When I say the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, other believers. As a, as a Christian, we are called not just to believe something, but to belong. And God's chosen instrument, his chosen environment in which this belonging is to take place is known as the church. First Corinthians 12, chapter 14, or verse 14, excuse me, says this about this, this body. You've heard this passage before, I'm sure, but it says this. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. one body. He goes on to say, the I can't say to the hand, I don't need you, right? We, we need each other. And what Paul is describing there is a way in which the church works together is interdependent. We need one another. We need one another to live out this Christian life. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are now part of something bigger than yourself. You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. And so God will speak to us through these different parts of the body as we're interdependent and connected to one another, the words of our brothers and sisters in Christ will speak to us as the spirit of God leads others within the body. We need each other profoundly. What I'm getting at is this. While this relationship with God that you have, it's personal, it was never meant to be private. And so you'll hear sometimes in culture things about like keep your beliefs to yourself. Keep your Christianity to yourself. I, I wish that he would just not talk about his faith and instead focus on whatever it is, the sport or the politics. No, there, there is no separation for the believer of this, this personal relationship with Jesus, this private relationship with Jesus and our public relationship with Jesus. They are, are one in the same. In God's family, you are connected to others, to other believers under the headship of Christ and we will belong to each other. I'm gonna warn you, we're gonna belong to each other for eternity. So look around. (laughs) Hope you like what you see. This is what we're made for. We're created for community. We're fashioned for fellowship. We are formed for a family. And none of us can fulfill God's purposes for our lives by ourselves. If you read 1 Corinthians or you read any of the epistles, though, what it talks about, what you see is one of the primary ways in which this body is built up, is, is matured, is becoming more like Christ, is through the Spirit of God speaking To believers and through believers for the edification that is the building up of the church. When we look at spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians as an example, many of these spiritual gifts, these gifts of the Spirit of God to the church for its building up, are spoken, they're words. God speaks by his Holy Spirit through believers. Many of the one another statements of scripture encourage this spirit-enabled preaching and teaching and admonishment and, and prophecy and encouragement and rebuke and commissioning and truth. You see this then, that God speaks through the fellowship of believers. Romans 12, 5, it says, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. As we kind of move towards the end of this, I want to tell... A bit of a story, a few years ago, I was part of a small group of guys in this church, and we'd meet regularly on Sunday mornings before the service, and we would pray together, and we would uh, study God's word together. Maybe it would be going through a book of the Bible, or maybe it would be going through a study together, a scripture-based study. And this was an awesome group of guys, and, and in some form, it still actually exists, that group. Most of those guys are still here in the church, though some of them have been sent out by the Lord elsewhere, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Well, I remember one particular evening, one of the guys invited us to his home. So he invites over this, this guy's small group to his home for a night of prayer. And we're just going to gather together. We're going to bow our heads in his living room and in a, a dim living room, we're going to pray. And the format of this is super informal. We're just going to be in the quiet and pray silently in a circle. And as the Lord leads us, if there's a, a prayer that, that we feel like the Lord wants us to, to speak out loud, one at a time, we, we pray out loud as God leads us. Well, there in that circle of guys is, is someone that you may know. There's, there's a bunch of guys here from the church there, but there's one there. His name is Jake Mudrazo. Some of you know him. If you don't know him, I'll explain who he is. But at that time, it was clear that God was profoundly at work in Jake's life and in the life of his wife, Sammy. God was radically transforming him from, from someone who I think he would admit was, was kind of angry and um, distant from the Lord to someone who was just soft, and open to the leading of the Lord. And yet vocationally, it seemed that Jake, as he's sitting there in that circle of us, growing in Christ-likeness, growing in kind of this ministry of the word to others to encourage others, he's, uh, it seems vocationally he's exactly where he should be. See, Jake is the son of a police officer. And he was working at the time for the Metropolitan Police Department in, in D.C. And he was good at his job, good at what he was doing. Jake's aspirations were beyond that. He wanted to be a SWAT officer, and there was every indication that that was going to happen in his life. Not only that, but God was doing really cool things. Jake, as a police officer in DC, was being used by the Lord to be a powerful witness in that environment, to bring light into some really dark situations, in some sense, to be the, the best part of people's worst days. But we're praying, and we're in that, that circle of prayer, and we're praying, and, and I silent there, and it's quiet for a bit, and I hear the the voice of God the Holy Spirit speak to my mind, just just to me, in simple clarity, four words. Jake is a pastor. Jake is a pastor. Now, in that moment, I I don't exactly know what to do with that. You know, I I think to myself, I'm not a prophet. Uh, I'm not the son of a prophet. I work at a non-profit and I, I'm like, Lord, what would you have me do with this revelation? I, I don't know. Would you want me to share that with Jake? I mean, doesn't that seem awfully direct? If that's not the voice of God, couldn't that radically shift his life in a way that, that could make things very complicated? And not only that, but I'm in a position of, I mean, he's my friend. He's my peer, certainly. But, but as a pastor, I'm in at least somewhat of a role of spiritual influence in his life. And I don't want to use undue influence on Jake. And so I'm feeling really cautious about delivering some kind of word that could radically shake up his life. And so I'm praying in there in that room and I'm asking the Lord, is this something that you want me to share? And despite my confidence lacking, I feel this growing sense of obligation and obedience to the Lord. And so I finally just speak up in a prayer and I begin to pray. But the last thing I want to do is be presumptive about receiving a word of revelation from God. So I kind of chicken out a bit and I pray super generally like this, Lord, I believe that you are raising up men in this room for a greater calling in ministry. I believe that there are missionaries and pastors here in this room and that you want to do something more. So do it Lord, show us your will in Jesus name. It was something like that. Obviously I don't remember word for word, but that was the, the main point was generally, God, I believe you're raising up people for ministry in this room. And I, I go home that night and I tell my wife, Beth, what I think the Lord said to me. And she says, well, are you going to tell him? Are you going to tell Jake? And for all the reasons I just mentioned, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. That's a lot. That's a, it's not a lot, but it's a hard thing to share. And so months go by. And during that period, Beth will tell you, uh, that word from the Lord did not leave my mind. I continued to wrestle with whether or not I should deliver this news. And over time, I thought it was something that in some sense, I would rather keep to myself. And yet I had this growing sense that to not share what God had spoken that night would be to be disobedient to God. In scripture, it says that the one who knows what he ought to do and doesn't do it, for him, that's sin, right? And so I have this, this option. I'm gonna be obedient or I'm going to be in open rebellion against God, which... Is not a good place to be, right? And so I determined I'm going to be obedient. I need to, to share this. And so finally, after several months of indecision, I'm here at church at the back of the sanctuary where those doors are, and I'm walking through, and I see Jake, and I approach him, and I tell him, I believe the Lord laid something on my heart that night as we were praying together, um, and he looks at me, and he's very interested, and, and so I start doing what I do. I caveat it a lot. I'm like, this may be from the Lord. I'm not sure. Take it or leave it. I'm just here to d- deliver the news. If you don't want to open it, you know, that's on you. And he's like, okay, what is it? I'm like, okay, I warned you, right? And then, and then I say, this is, this is what I believe the Lord spoke to me as, as we were praying in that circle. Jake is a pastor. Immediately, his eyes just fill with tears, and he kind of steps back, and he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm sorry, man. No. And he says, "Are you, you're going to make me cry in the middle of church? And then he says this, he says, you have no idea how crazy this is. I was waiting for this. I was waiting for this. And he begins to tell me that on that night as we're gathered to pray, even as I made my lame prayer, like my my (laughs) make it as vague as possible prayer about people being raised up for ministry, the Holy Spirit of God said to Jake, that's for you. And he knew it. He knew that it was a message for him. He knew on that night that it was a a message for him. And, and, And as he sensed the Lord calling him into this new season of ministry, he didn't know what it would look like. But as he prayed, he sensed the Lord tell him to not force it, but that at some point, I, Mark, was going to deliver this commissioning to him. And so he's just blown away there on that Sunday because he knew that somehow this confirmation of this calling was going to come through me. Jake didn't know what it was. He didn't know what I would say, but he was confident that God had directed him to wait until I delivered the news. Now, the rest of the story, if you know it, it kind of speaks for itself. Over the following two years, despite doubts creeping in and and competing priorities, uh, desires in Jake's life, God continued to speak to Jake and to Sammy very specifically at just the right times through members of this church and through other believers. Now, there, there's some in this church, like our, our missions director and, and drummer, Gary, who will tell you to basically quit your job and go into missions. He'll tell you, tell you that every day, right? <laughs> but, but here there were others that spoke in, to Jake's life and into Sammy's life at just the right moments, where Jake began to do things that he never thought were possible to, to lay down this dream of being a SWAT officer. Just after he did that, he breaks his wrist and he's like, God, what are you doing? Trying to understand his circumstances. But what he saw in that was that God radically slowed down his life and forced him essentially to be sidelined to pray and seek God for the next thing in his life. Others of you spoke into him. You know who you are. But to make a long story just a little bit shorter, in January of 2022, we as a church had the privilege of laying hands on Jake and Sammy and sending them out into this pastoral calling. Jake is in seminary now. Jake and Sammy are serving faithfully in a wonderful church in Alexandria. Jake is no longer a police officer and Jake is daily growing in his pastoral calling that the Lord has placed in his life and he is confident in the calling of God. Through that experience, God has continued to show me and to show Jake that he speaks by his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us as we pray. He speaks in alignment with his word, never in disagreement or contention with his word. He speaks through our circumstances, according to his divine timing, when he wants to, and he speaks through people as they're obedient to his leading. He speaks through his church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to do what? To reveal his purposes, his ways, but most importantly, to reveal himself, his love, and his care for us. So what's the application for us today? Some of you right now are walking through this this season of, of circumstances that you don't understand. Hardship, Confusion. your circumstances are not making sense. You identify with with people like Hagar, who we looked at in the scriptures weeks ago, where you look at your life and you're, you're thinking, where are you, God? What are you doing, God? I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. And what we have a tendency to do as we don't see God and what's happening is we wanna fix it. We want to do something. We want to figure it out, keep it moving, find a way. Maybe we've all heard that old saying, don't just stand there, do something. But perhaps the, the word for you today would be to don't just do something. Stand there. Wait for the Lord. Seek his perspective on your circumstances and know that he is with you. He is with you right now. For others today, that, that story that I just told you, the emphasis on the sermon, of the sermon today, it's caused you uh, to consider, are there things in my life that God has spoken clearly to me? And the challenge we're faced with is whether we will trust God Will we trust him with the results of obedience, a scary obedience? Will we trust God with the timing of these, these words being fulfilled? Will we trust him? Some of you, you've received instruction from the Lord. You know that he's been leading you, but like me with that word for Jake, you're just dragging your feet. I don't know. I don't know, Lord. Obey him. Obey him. And see him do what only he can do. Lastly, perhaps today, maybe God has given you a word, an encouragement, an admonishment. Maybe he's brought to mind a person that you need to reconcile with. Maybe he's given you some instruction. He's, he's revealed himself through the word, through time and prayer, through your circumstances. And as he leads you, if you have something to share, a word to share, a phrase to share, an encouragement, an admonishment, a rebuke to share, that is from the Lord, for the edification, that is the building up the, of this body of Christ and the exaltation of Jesus i simply encourage you in all humility, share it. Share it. Stop sitting on that word as the Lord leads you. Go in all humility and say, I believe the Lord would have me share this with you. And simply deliver the news. You know, I've never met a mail carrier who comes to my house and hands me all the envelopes and then tries to guess what's inside them. Like, I think that might be a letter from a friend. It's gonna make you emotional, probably. I don't know. No, they don't do that. They simply deliver the news. And that, that is our our. Call it as a church. If you have a word that the Lord would have you share, do so and allow the spirit of God to apply it, to interpret it for the hearer. This is what I do. I, I, I wanna kind of make this sound a little mes- less mysterious to you. This is what I, I, I am called to do every week as I stand up here. Seek the Lord through his word. Seek him in prayer. Look for where he's at work in response to these prayers in the circumstances of life. And then for the edification of the, the church, deliver that word. Deliver it to you and let him do the work with that word to apply it to our hearts that we might change to become more like Christ. What I trust is by the grace of God and by the power of the spirit, he will apply the word to our hearts to change us, to transform us, to mold us more and more into the image of his son. Do you wanna find your life? Lose it in him. Abandon all for the sake of Christ and in him you will find life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do lead us, that you do speak to us. Lord, some of these things are hard to understand. It's hard to have a confidence in ourselves. And Lord, I pray we would abandon all confidence in ourselves and that we would rest in your strength and your power. God, speak to us anew today. I pray that you have spoken by your word. I pray that you will continue to speak by your Holy Spirit as we respond in praise. And Lord, be with us as we go out from this place as your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.